Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. This is Darren. And today, we're going to be talking about a couple games we've been playing lately. We're going to be looking at our things that we are jazzed about, followed up by a review of World Wonders. Thanks for joining us as we seek to create community through board gaming. This is episode 162. Residents of Meeple Town, welcome to Meeple Town Talk Radio with your buddies D&D, Dean and Darren. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. I have a question. What is your favorite romantic comedy? In honor of this day of love, what's the movies or movie that you go to for your romance and your laughs? Happy Valentine's Day, Dean. <laughs> I don't think I could go the whole episode. I don't think I can go more than five minutes like that. <laughs> that was a struggle. Mm-hmm. That was hard. But you started it, though, so I was just trying to, to play along. I did. The one we actually used is not my favorite, though. The other ones were better, <laughs> but Darren couldn't keep it together. <laughs> Resonance, I was just dying laughing when he broke out his talk radio voice. It just it just killed me. Funny but enough, I, I didn't have edited it in, in a way that you I wouldn't have heard you laughing if I would have if I would have kept it together after you stopped after you left. <laughs> well, maybe we can see how how crafty of an edit how crafty of an editor you are uh, when this actually drops on Valentine's Day. By the way, again, Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. I did ask a serious question, though, Dean. What is your favorite <laughs> romantic comedy? I am curious. I meant to put this as a poll in the Discord, but this week has been crazy. So here it is, Meebletown. I'm throwing it out there to you. Answer this in the Discord, in the Guild, wherever you want to put it. What's your favorite rom-com? If you want comedy, great storyline, fantastic music, there is only one answer, and that is The Holiday. Final answer. I've never heard of this. Let me guess. Is this a Hallmark what? movie? Is this a Are Hallmark you movie? Kidding me? You've never heard of the holiday? Do you I have, have a no list recollection of, of that? Do you have a list of Christmas movies? Like we have to watch these every year. Yeah, none of them are Hallmark movies. This is not a holiday. <laughs> this is not a Hallmark movie. This one is. I'm looking up the the deets on this one. So this one came out in 2006. Never say deets again. Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet, Jude Law, and the one and only Jack Black. <laughs> this, okay, I'm looking at the the picture here of the movie. Uh, this looks vaguely familiar, but I don't know if that means I've seen it or if I've just seen this picture. It's phenomenal. But, okay, it I'll is, check it, it out. It is fantastic. Uh, other acceptable answers would, would be uh, maybe The Proposal. That's a great one. Um, there's others. There's, I, I, I do like a good romantic comedy movie, but the holiday is, the holiday is a top, f probably five movie of all time for me, by the way. Mm. Top 10 uh, for sure, but probably wow. top five. It's phenomenal. That is, that's wild. Um, I don't think I have any rom-coms in that, that high in my favorite movie list ever. I'm not a huge romantic comedy type person, but when I was thinking about this, my go-to would have to be the the Tom Hanks Meg Ryan trilogy. Mm. You know, some people just think of the two of Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail, but perhaps one of the greatest is the odd duck first one in that trilogy, Joe versus the Volcano. <laughs> Have you seen Joe versus the Volcano? Years and years ago. Yes. <laughs> it is a classic. Uh you would have to have a brain cloud to not appreciate how wonderful, how wonderful that movie is. But those would be my, uh, my go-tos. The, the chemistry there is just outstanding. Tom Hanks was, at his finest and Meg Ryan is just amazing. I was wondering when you were saying that, I was like, was Meg Ryan and Turner and Hooch? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but, that was a love story between a man and his dog, not a man and a woman. What's the, okay. Sleepless in Seattle. What was the other one again? You've got mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You've got mail. So Sleepless in Seattle is is way up there for me too. Uh, yeah, you've got mail is good too, but Sleepless in Seattle is is really a great movie. But again, perhaps the best of them is Joe vs. the Volcano. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> oh, I want to hear what other people's thoughts are. Maybe there's some that I'm missing that I need to be I need to be checking out. But I, I like a good rom com. 
I don't want to talk about that the whole episode, though. What I would like to do is talk about some board games. Can we do that? Please. And thank okay. you. <laughs> Let me talk about a uh, romantic board game I've been playing lately called Marvel Remix. <laughs> it's not romantic at all, but I don't I know how to say where <laughs> <laughs> Well done. You nailed it. Um, okay, so Marvel Remix is a reimagining, re-implementation of Fantasy Realms, which is a game. Let me let me talk. I don't know how to talk about this first. Fantasy Realms, I'll talk about this first. So Fantasy Realms, kind of generic fantasy game where you have cards in your hand and you're going to be either drawing cards from a deck or drawing them from a a uh, large discard pile so cards are going to go out onto a discard pile but they're not like one stack it's cards you know on the table that you can take and you're trying to put together the best hand that you can with you know old fantasy you know unicorns and princesses and swords and all that sort of thing okay marvel remix does that as well except you are using as you can imagine marvel characters you've got Marvel heroes, you've got villains, you have equipment that you can use, you have locations, and again, you're trying to put together the best hand. You start off with seven cards, uh, random cards, and then you have a small stack of villains. So everybody starts off with one villain and then uh, six cards of whatever, heroes or you know, equipment or lots of other things. And drawing from a stack and trying to put put together the best hand. So how this works is, let's say I've got Captain America as one of my cards. Well, Captain America is a base value of four points. So he's going to be worth four points. I'm also going to get two points for each other hero that I have in my hand. And I'll get an additional four points if I have the Vibranium Shield. Um, in, in Black Panther, I'm just looking at some of the pictures online, just as a reminder, Black Panther base value of four, but then I get plus five points for each of the, I think it's, it's kind of hidden, but I think it's the Black Panther symbols that are on the cards. And once you get a certain amount of cards into the center of the table, I believe it's 10, then that's going to trigger the end of the game. And then each card will score whoever has the most points is the winner. Some of these have a high, really high base value and you're going to lose points based on different types of symbols that you have in your hand. Uh, lots of different ways to score. There's, yeah, there's, there's no point of going through all the different ways because there's a ton of different ways but, and they're all really well done, self-explanatory. Played this one recently. I've played, I've played Fantasy Realms a lot in the past and Marvel Remix I've had for a while I may have played it a while back, but I just don't remember it. And so I got it to the table with my oldest son. He liked it enough to play it right after that. We played another game, played two, maybe three games in a row, something like that. You played this one before? Not Marvel Remix. I, I do enjoy Fantasy Realms. I like the, the draw a card, you know, discard a card type of deal the way that the way that works and, and how it scores it's it's like rummy on steroids it's a it's a lot of fun uh, i would like to play the marvel version just because uh, i dig the characters and to see that interaction you know taken out of a generic fantasy realm which is fine how it works in fantasy realms i enjoy it but i think the marvel one sounds sounds cool man throw it on the pile i'm gonna play it okay yeah yeah i will i actually probably prefer the fantasy realms version okay it, it it is a little bit different. So th there are some different rule changes. The two player game in Fantasy Realms has a different rule set. It does not in Marvel Remix. You just use the same rules as is mm. the regular as you know the higher player counts. I prefer to play it at a higher player count anyway, not two player, but it's it's still fine. Um, yeah, I, I I prefer I prefer Fantasy Realms, but I can bring Marvel Remix when we get together and play games next and see if you like that one as well. If I'm looking at the the play pass purchase, is that right? Yes. Okay. Nope. Pass pass play purchase. <laughs> there we go. Pass play purchase. I would put this one of these games would be on the purchase, but you don't need both. If you have Fantasy mm -hmm. Realms, then I would say it's a, a play. Or even a pass, maybe, unless you're just really strong on the Marvel theme. But you only need one of these. But I do think it's a good one of these is a good good one to have in the mix for sure. Cool, cool. That's Marvel Remix and Fantasy Realms. 
Excellent. Well, something that I have been playing lately um, kind of got me thinking about the whole the whole movie thing at the beginning anyway, is a game based on movies. Animated ones, that is. This is Disney Animated, which came out this year. And this game has also been on my mind because of the news we mentioned in the last episode about Goliath acquiring the assets of Funko Games and uh, of Prospero Hall. And many of those people kind of being uh, dissolved and not, and not um, being offered jobs as they move on into, into Goliath. And so this game was designed by uh, Prospero Hall and published by Funko Games. I was never a huge fan of a lot of the, the Funko games. The Prospero Hall games I liked were more in the Ravensburger line, not so much under Funko. But this was one that I did I did like. Spoiler alert. This is a co-op game, if you've not played it. Uh, plays two to four players. You know, last summer between 40 and 80 minutes. And in this one, you are Disney animators. And each of you is trying to produce one of five classic Disney films before their deadline or before the villains mess things up because the villains of each of those movies that you are playing are trying to stop you. And so if you're curious, some of the films that are in this that you're trying to design are Snow White and Fantasia, Alice in Wonderland, 101 Dalmatians, and Aladdin. Laddie. And now the, the game also says uh, this is a volume one. So in theory, that made it sound like maybe more of these games were coming, but I'm not so sure now. I hope so. Hopefully Goliath will still continue making these because I feel like with more movies, this game could be even better. In the game, one of the, one of the cool parts about it is that it has that five card action selection mechanism like in Arkanova or Civilization New Dawn, uh, except this time, instead of everybody having that, uh, those five cards, there's just one and everyone in the game shares it. It's the, the five cards that are on the main board and the card's strength of those actions will depend on where they are placed on that main board, whether it's one, two, three, four, or five. And so there's lots of strategy going around that as you talk about what action to take and what strength to take it at. How do you collaborate and maximize the both of each other's turns? Each player also has this player board that has these background tiles from a scene in the movie. And you're basically trying to place these tiles uh, onto your player board. And as you do that, you may cover up some icons, which can give you some benefits. It also has these cool, clear cards with uh, with images on them from the cartoon that looks like cells of the movie that you would use, and you're placing that on the board, and it, it kind of has a little bit of that, that pandemic style of cooperative game where players are taking their turns, and then the villains will take their turn and do bad things, and the players are trying to keep the bad stuff from piling up. But at the same time, it also has a feel of those adventure book games, if you've ever played those like the Princess Bride or Wizard of Oz or uh, or Lord of the Rings uh, from, from Robinsberger. Uh, it also has that feeling where you're trying to meet certain conditions and turn in cards or tokens or something to accomplish certain goals or puzzles. Um, but I will say I like this game better than those adventure book games. This one, again, kind of looking at our past play purchase uh, scale, this one is definitely a play for me, a very high play Um and I don't necessarily think it's a, and it's an essential. You need to purchase it, but with the right expansion, this one could definitely be. But if you're if you're someone who's just looking for a good Disney game, this is a good cooperative Disney game. You can play with the family and find strategy. It might be a strong purchase for for someone else. I'm getting a little tired of some of the pandemic style games, but this one, this one scratches a really good play itch for me. You like this one too, correct? Mm-hmm. I do. I do. I like the components of this one, the art, all mm. that. It's a, yep. it's a good feel. This, yeah, I'm talking about the trip I'm taking with my family this summer. This is one I was considering that I think that they would enjoy, but the, the especially the, the animation cells are just so mm-hmm. cool. I like that. I like, it's a nice touch. And that was Disney animated, but now let's take a little trip down to the jazz club. All right, residents, welcome to the Meeple Town Jazz Club, where we talk about games that ooh, just have us jazzed and we get to riff a little bit um, on what we're thinking about these games. So, Dean, what's got you jaw jazzed up right about now? Jaw jazzed? I don't even jaw know what jazzed. that means. <laughs> <laughs> I am jazzed, Darren, about 
some digital games. I'm, I'm really going to talk about one. This is the part where you go to sleep right now because I know that you don't like the digital games. And so you, you're not going to care about anything that I have to say. But when I got a copy of Wingspan a couple years ago, got the review copy of, uh, what is it, Switch, Nintendo Switch version of Wingspan. I did a video of this. It's on our YouTube channel a while back. Well, recently got the expansions. They sent us the expansions for Wingspan. So we got Oceana. We've got the European expansion. And I got to tell you, this is for Steam, by the way. I've been playing this one on Steam, not on Switch. Although I still play the Switch version quite a bit. I got to tell you, Darren, this game is the best. It is the best digital imp implementation. I really, I probably should think about that a little bit more, but it is phenomenal. I love playing this game so much. Really like Wingspan anyway. I really like that they're adding all the expansion content in it because I don't always get this one to the table. Just everything about this game is so fun. It's the music, the background music, the the art, and uh, like obviously the art of Wingspan is really good, but the the art that's done in the video game is great. The characters are cool that you're using. The birds are cool when you put a bird into your uh, onto your like tableau onto your board. It gives you a little fact about that bird, and it all like it reads you the fact, and it it gives you the the bird song, the actual song that that bird would sing will sing when you put it into your tableau. It's so cool. I, I just love every detail of this one, but I really enjoy now that you have the expansion. Uh, not all of it, but but you know, Oceana and European. That's a lot of expansion content that you have in there. Oh man, this is so cool! It's got me so jazzed up. I've, I talked a couple weeks ago about the Dominion uh, uh, app that I've been playing, the iOS version of that. That's also got me really jazzed. But it's still, I just keep going back to Wingspan. What I've been doing, why I've been jazzed about this, Darren, because when I pick up my kids from school, sometimes I'll I'll try to get there a little bit earlier so I can pick them up early, and I'm also able to work. So like I pull my laptop out and I'm getting work done in the car. But I got to tell you, lately. Instead of getting work done, I've been pulling out my computer and playing Wingspan in the line, which is, uh, just means I have more work to do when I get home, but I just can't, I can't help myself. You got to play this one. I know you don't play a lot of digital games, but you really got to try this one. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you still talking? You, you said digital <laughs> games and and I went out to get coffee. I just got back. Uh, what am I supposed to go talk to actual people? <laughs> <laughs> like humans should no that uh that sounds that sounds great it is i've heard lots of good things about the wingspan digital app if nothing else it would be fun just to hear the birds sing i feel like but um but i'm glad to see that you're sacrificing family time for your digital app playing instead of working in the car line you're playing games and therefore the family suffers that's that's love man hey the family's not about. suffering they're inside well they're <laughs> suffer, suffering inside the school building but well, later um, on, when you go home and doing your work that you should have been doing in the car line. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, yeah that, that is actually <laughs> true. But, you know, sometimes you got to make sacrifices for board games. That's just part of it. And uh, we are a, a podcast about building up community. And this does nothing to build up community. <laughs> so, but I still recommend it. It's This one's on Steam. The expansion stuff's on Steam. I don't know if all the expansion content is available for Switch quite yet. I'm not positive about that. If not, it's coming. Um, it's also on Xbox, uh, App Store, on iOS and all that good stuff too. So I, yep, I believe that's right. I believe it's available on iOS and, and Android. It says App Store, the Apple App Store and Google Play. So I'm assuming that's the case. So check that out. That is from Monster Couch. Obviously that's a Stonemeyer Games game, but the Monster Couch version is the digital version. And you can find out more information about that on monstercouch.com as well. Making great stuff over there. What you got? What are you jazzed about, Darren? Well, one of the things I'm jazzed about is a game I recently acquired, and I'm jazzed about getting it to the table and actually playing it. This is originally a 2017 game, but the Deluxe Big Box came out in 2020, and that is Merlin. Merlin Deluxe Big Box from Steffenfeld. Um... It's kind of a roll and move rondelle game. 
It's got worker placement. It's got set collection. It's got area majority. It's got a lot of things that I like in in Euros. And apparently the the story, the theme behind this, because, you know, Feld games are so full of story and theme, is that you're trying to find an heir for King Arthur. And what do you know? Here's an Arthur game that actually has Arthur in it, sort of. He's an old, graying, like got one foot in the grave kind of Arthur, but he's he's sort of there. And so here you're trying to find an heir and you're rolling dice to to move knights or Merlin around the table to take certain actions. And you're also scoring points by defeating barbarians and, and building manors and increasing your influence in the counties. And the deluxe big box, and this is where Arthur comes in, the deluxe big box contains the expansions for Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And I think the more recent one um, back in 2020 was Morgana. So it's got all of those in the big box. Uh, along with game trays to keep everything all nice and neat and stored, uh, except the copy that I originally got was missing one of the game trays. It was a duplicate, and so I had to ask Queen for some for some extra parts because like the bases for the acrylic stands weren't in there either. But thankfully, they sent that stuff within a couple of weeks. No big deal. But uh, but this is one I'm jazzed about playing because I really think that that Cindy is going to enjoy this one. I think a lot of the some of the guys that I play with up here. From time to time, I think they'll they'll like it. It has that classic Euro look and feel, which isn't always my thing, but I've got a feeling this one this one will be. I like the setting of it, and it has sort of the look and some of the actions and stuff that I like in a Euro game. So I'm jazzed about getting this one to the table, hopefully in the next two weeks or so. Um, but we'll hmm. see. You, but I know I know you've have played this one. I can't remember if you like this one or not. Oh, I love Merlin. I think this okay. game is fantastic. We I don't remember when we did our top Feld list. I think this was on there. I'd have to go back and look, but I'm not positive. If it wasn't, it doesn't mean much because I still love this game. I I honestly didn't know much about that Morgana expansion, and I'm looking online right now to see. This looks cool, the Morgana expansion. I only mm-hmm. have the, what was the first one? Arthur, maybe? I think Arthur was the first one. Yeah, I only I think I only have that expansion. I don't have anything else for this, but I need and, to and look for, into the and, and that one's a really good expansion. I, I think that's maybe even a an essential expansion. Yeah, that's what I've heard. That Arthur is really the only essential one that you need. This other stuff just adds a little bit more, a few twists, little turns here and there. But uh but I'm excited to have all of it and finally get it played. Is is the deluxe just like the deluxe? insert or is there more deluxified content in there if i'm not mistaken the deluxe parts are the game trays for storage and it's got acrylic standees for some of the stuff uh, as opposed to the cardboard standees other than that i can't remember what else might be deluxified okay that's acceptable i think i i would accept that as a deluxe i you know I, I think those acrylic standees are cool. I'm a miniatures guy, but if you're not going to paint them, I think the the acrylic is fantastic. Uh, gold coins, I mean metal coins, not actual gold coins in the box, but um, any of those type of upgrades. I do not think there are um, there are metal coins. I'm not sure Queen does that. Have you looked at the new Stefan Feld? Uh, city collection on i know you're probably trying to stay away from it but i noticed like instead of doing metal coins for those games that are you know deluxified and they have acrylic everything like acrylic coins even mm-hmm. like it's all painted acrylic so that may just be how how queen rolls yeah i just don't remember honestly i don't remember if there's coins in this game it's been so long since i've not so long but it's been a while since i've played it yeah. i'm trying to find pictures on here but i think there's coins in this one uh, Maybe not. I don't remember. I've I punched it a couple of weeks ago, and I, I was so distraught by not having all my bits and components and trays in there. I didn't even look at the rest of it. Good call. Good call. I just yeah, sorry, I'm <laughs> grilling you with a ton of questions right now. But um, yeah, that that would be cool having the acrylic acrylic stuff for this one. I, I would imagine you could probably go on Etsy find some stickers for these meeples too, which would be really cool. It also did have some stickers for some of the, the, I don't know what they are, but some of the cylinder wooden tokens and things, they had, they had stickers for those as well. So okay. maybe that I think the original had that too. Okay. Yeah. The original had those too. I'm looking on here. Um, yeah. 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 They had the, 
the stickers on there. Very cool. Um, I would love to see this one, Darren. This is a great game. Glad you are digging into more Stefan Feld games because you need to play all of them at some point. I don't want to play all of them. I'm not even sure if that's humanly possible. <laughs> oh, that's what we're jazzed about. Something else we might be a little bit excited about is our review of World Wonders. Let's check it out. And we are back talking about World Wonders. This is a game that came out in 2023, designed by Zay Mendez. And the art is by Odysseus Stamaglou and Tom Venture. This game plays in about 50 to 70 minutes and is a what we would call a polyomino game where you're taking pieces that have different shapes, different cardboard pieces, and placing them out onto your board to configure them in a way where you can get the most points. Now, how this works is after you've got the game all set up, you're going to, on your turn, spend gold to take different pieces from the board. You're going to spend a gold to get a, a long road uh, or, or some short road tiles. You're going to get a building tile. You're going to get towers for two gold. You're going to get first player or second player marker. If you want to do that, you'll spend a gold or get a monument, which is kind of the crux of the game. And that's going to be spend, spending all of your remaining gold. Now, how this works is I will take my turn. I've got my own personal board where I have tracks and then I also have a personal board where I'm going to be placing my pieces out onto. Now, how this how the how the buying part works is I've got 7 gold that I start off with at the beginning of each round and every time I spend some gold, I'm going to move down on my track. Then the next person is going to take their turn and we're going to keep going around and around until we've all spent all of our money or we have well, yeah, spent all of your money doing that by buying these things but usually that a lot of times not all the time but sometimes that ends in you buying monuments at the end of your turn so you spend all of your gold to do that and as you put out the different polyomino pieces onto your board you're going to be moving up on these different tracks and on the different tracks i might pass over a population marker on there and if i pass over that then i'll move up my population track and you're trying to get that to the end of the to the end of the track so you can get more rings, which are points. So how do you win the game? You win by getting the most points. You're going to get that by one, moving up on the population track. You're going to look at the track that you've moved up the least on, and you're going to get points for how far you are on that track. You're going to get points for monuments that you've built that have uh, rings on them. You're going to doing objectives. You're going to get points for that. You're going to get points for touching part of a natural resource which is a little marker on your on your board you're going to get points for completely surrounding the building tiles and that is kind of the gist of the way that it plays now i know that that is if i'm teaching it i would teach it a little bit different but just trying to give you a, a general overview but i do want to mention the monuments and how those work so monuments are these wooden pieces that look like monuments they look like the pyramids or the obelisk or lots of different things they go on your board in a configuration that is different for each monument, okay? So I might get the, again, obelisk that have to be next to, I should have been looking at some pictures here, Darren. Um, I, I might want to get the, uh, well, let's just say the lighthouse. I can see that one on here. I'm, I'm going to get the lighthouse, but that has to be next to a blue building. It also has to be next to a road, and it has to be placed at least one of the uh, squares on that that lighthouse has to be placed into the water. Now, once I'm able to place that, I can take that, spend all of my money for that round and take that and put it onto my board. Sometimes those are going to give you rings. They always give you a ring, which is a point at the end, but sometimes they'll also allow you to move up on tracks, depending on which monument that you're putting out there. Then you play through a set number of rounds, uh, eight rounds, maybe something like that. And at the end of the game, whoever has the most points, is going to be crowned the winner. Is that a good enough gist for you, Darren? That is very gisty. It's 10 rounds, by the way, or ten, until there we go. somebody maxes out their population. Those are your that's two right. in-game triggers, yeah. That's right. I don't know if that's happened to me. I think most of the time it's it's going through the whole game, probably because I'm terrible at this game. That could <laughs> very well be the case. <laughs> that's so funny because I was just thinking most of ours end when someone hits that population track. Mm, okay. Okay. Maybe uh, you're just forgetting to move up your resources when you place those tiles. <laughs> no, no, I'm just really that bad at, at this game. I th 
now that I think about it, the game that I played with you may have ended that way. Yeah, you I think I'm the one up. that maxed out the yeah. population. Okay, there we go. The other games that I play <laughs> without you in it tend to end with me not maxing out. I don't think I've ma- no, I've not, I've not maxed out that population track. All right, wow. we can talk about that after. Let's talk about the <laughs> let's talk about first the art and the components. I'm going to start first, Darren, with the with the game box. With if if I'm in a game store looking at games, this is not a game that screams, "Ooh, you got to play this one. It's going to be a phenomenal game." It's a pretty in my opinion, pretty bland looking box. It uses, you know, some beigey colors in there. It just says World Wonders, which is kind of a generic name for a game kind of like guild of merchant explorers ask <laughs> um this, this box is better than that one though yes and the name is slightly better i guess but but it still fits in that category until you flip the box over and you see what components are in the box and then i'm like oh okay maybe maybe this is a cool game yeah, I dig the picture of the box. I just wish like the the gray parts around it was somehow, or maybe like if that picture of the box was the whole box, you know, if it extended, you know, if the art extended all the way to the corners, it'd look a little flashier. But yeah, it kind of has a, an older game look outside of that. Yeah, and it's and it is it's good art. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a pretty picture that you're talking about. But you're right. It, I think I want it a little bit brighter, something that stands out a little bit more. And part of that is is the fact that it's half gray on the top and the bottom. I mean, that takes up half the box, I guess. Yeah. But really though, the box is not the, the showstopper here. What is the main art and component Dean? Come on. (laughs) What do the fans want to hear about? They want to hear about those wonders, right? Man, those monuments, those big hunky chunky wooden painted monuments are super cool looking. Yes. There's a bunch of them too. There are a whole lot of them. I, I was, I've got the rule book pulled up here. 21, 21 wooden monuments inside the box, and they're all so cool. Chunky mm-hmm. wooden pieces, and some of them are multiple pieces, like the Easter Easter Island heads. You've got three of those that you put out there. You've got the three pyramids. You've got two obelisks. And so there's, there's uh, yeah, and they're all screen printed. Not all of them, but a lot of them are screen printed. A lot of them are uh dual or even triple layered one of my favorites is the is it the coliseum is that right sorry i'm trying to see it on here yeah that has like the double double layer so the top part is is this it's this oval piece that you can see like the seating but then there's like a a lower level oval piece that is the the actual like coliseum area in there it's just really cool really well designed on all of these pieces yeah, the detail, the attention to detail and the sculpting of them and the painting just for these little wooden miniatures in a game is really, really impressive. Whether that's Petra or, you know, the Ishtar Gate or the Great Wall of China, you know, the way they represent those mm-hmm. things is really, is really cool. Yeah, yeah, good call. Good call. So overall, I think the the city stuff, there's nothing spectacular about it, but honestly, I don't really... I'm okay with that because it needs to be very clear. Everything has to be clear in the components. And I do think they do a good job of that while also making it spectacular with those wonders. Yeah. And again, not very flashy, but very clear outside of the wonders. But my question for you is before we leave this area and, and maybe this will transition us to gameplay, but the, the maps, the, the player board, you know, one side has a river running through it and one side has a lake. Um, did you find one of those sides to be a little more challenging than the other? Because what you know, sides you play on can make a difference. It can. Funny enough, so when we first played, it was with the river, and I thought, wow, that's really challenging. I bet it's easier to play with a lake. But then you start thinking about the bridges, uh, because the long roads can be flipped over and used as bridges. Well, you can't do that as easily out on there. So I, they both present some different challenges, I think. The river makes it challenging because to get across the river to the other side is is difficult. Okay, so I didn't go into exactly how things are placed onto your board, but since we're kind of moving into that gameplay direction, you you have your long roads, and the long roads, again, can be flipped over to a bridge. And so you flip it over, now you put it over water, and it's a bridge. But what goes on your map has to be 
very specific. It is the game is very specific about how things go on there. So a road tile has to always be adjacent to a road tile or a sidewalk, which is the bottom part of the board, or next to a uh, what do you call those? The a tower. towers. Okay, it has to be next to a tower. Okay. A tower can be adjacent to anything. So those towers become very important as you cross over the river. You want to get towers over there because if I want to place a building, a building has to be next to a road tile or it has to be next to another building of the same color. In this game, you get trapped a lot because if I put a building, let's say I put a bridge over top of the river and then I put a building over there. Well, now what am I going to put on the other side of that? Because I can't put a road next to a building. And so what I have to do is I have to put a tower over there so that I can then put a road and then I can put the different buildings of the other color, but you have to do it in a way so that you're not going to get trapped. Okay. You asked what's easier, the river or the lake. I, I think they're both challenging in some ways because the river, you have to think that way. The lake, you don't use the bridge as much, but there's less like seemingly less water to be able to get some of those water wonders out there. And so I found myself thinking that one was going to be so much easier and I was wrong. They just have different challenges. Is that your yeah, that experience? Was, yeah. Yeah. The same. Cause like last night I was playing the the solo version at one in the morning, by the way, that's how committed I am to you, Meepletown. But, uh, but using the, the lake side of the board and yeah, you're like, oh yeah, you have less water spaces here as you're trying to build around, you know, you, you have to think differently about how you build and the, the, the placement you were mentioning, the placement rules of the roads and the buildings and the towers and, and all that. And what's, what's so funny about that is I feel like every game, there's always a moment where you're like, oh crap, I put that in the wrong spot. Oh, I shouldn't have been able to do that. I feel like I'm catching myself earlier in the game and I'm doing that less. But but that's going to happen. So if that happens to you when you're playing this, just know you're like everybody else because we're all forgetting some of the placement rules. But I'm glad they're there because I feel like in some ways that's kind of the great equalizer because somebody who may be really good at just throwing out and uh, spatially fitting things together, it slows them down because they have to get roads. They have to get towers in order to be able to, to spread out. And so I do, as frustrating as it is the first game or two, uh, I'm really starting to enjoy those um, very specific placement rules. Yeah, and I remember listening to a review, I think it was Secret Cabal, where they talked about how that would be a challenge throughout all of your plays, that you'll get the rules wrong. That's not really been my experience. My experience has been the more I play this game, the better I get at making sure I don't make those mistakes, even though I think my second game I made a mistake or two the first game I made several mistakes second game I did I made a mistake that I had to go back and and I don't remember how I because it's difficult to fix too because you yep. you can't really go in order uh but then the more I've played this game the easier it's it's become you just really have to think about the way things are going out onto the board yeah. and, and that can be tricky for some if they're playing this as a group of people or as friends or as family uh you don't want to have to police everybody because you can't, because you're looking at your own stuff. You just have to go in with uh, with a measure of grace and forgiveness as you come into some of these games and just realize some people are going to make mistakes and that's fine. You want to try to help everyone, kind of keep an eye on what they're doing and where they're placing and gently call some of that stuff out. But uh, but I could see some people maybe getting a little, little, little tore up if someone has made two or three turns and they've built half of their map based on like one or two errors. So... Either way, just, just be mindful of that, um, people. Yeah, yeah. Now, another thing, you know, Meeple Town, that I like, I like polyomino games for one, but I really like games where you're moving up on tracks. Cool thing about this one is th there's multiple ways to get points in this game, which I think is really good. You, you get the points from building the monuments. So if you build a ton of monuments, you can get a lot of points that way. But you're also going to get points for moving up population which is a big way to get points and to trigger the end of the game if that's something that you want to to do but the the balance of moving up on the tracks becomes interesting because you might think okay i really want by the way you're tempted to build the wonders and you want that to be you know i keep saying monuments and wonders by the way i mean those synonymously if i say monuments i mean monuments if i say wonders i mean monuments so monuments are 
are the the attractive piece in the game. When you see the monuments out there, you're like, oh, I want to build that one because I can fit it here. And I'm going to kind of shift everything that I'm doing in my game to make sure that I can build that monument. And then Darren comes in and steals it. Um, but that's not always necessarily the best thing to do is to focus on those monuments. Really, in a lot of ways, I, and games that I've lost is one I've really gone heavy on doing that when I should have been probably working more on balancing up my tracks and getting points that way and moving up on the population track or, you know, some other ways of, you know, trying to complete objectives or things like that. So I, I like that about this one, that it's not so linear like some of these other polyomino games can be. And that's not a slam. You know, Patchwork is that way. You're not getting a ton of points in lots of different ways, but it's still a great game. This one, I like that you can do different things. Yeah. At first, I found it really frustrating that the monuments are only worth like one point or some of them may be worth two. Some monuments give you an extra resource. You know, it'll, it'll bump you up one of the tracks, one space. But but the more again, the more I play it, the more I appreciate the fact that they are only worth one point. Because really, if you think about it, the monuments, they're only there to help take up more space because the main point you're scoring or if you can completely surround your city tiles when you put those in, that's how you're going to score a good chunk of your points. And so that's what the monuments are for, not to have a bunch of monuments. So so, yeah, like, again, that's one of those little tricky balances that can be um frustrating at first when you're first playing it because like you said that's the attractive bit that's what you want to buy but that's not always the the best way to go maybe just they should have called this game ancient cities or something like that (laughs) so that you think that the focus is on on that city building piece but you're absolutely right darren i mean you can get a lot of points if you are good at putting all those pieces together and that's when having that spatial reasoning uh, you know, this is spatial awareness for all of this, uh, these type of polyomino games really comes into play. Somebody who can do that well is probably going to do really well in this game. Yep. Yep. For sure. But there's still, again, those, those balancing forces, cause there's other things to keep in mind than the spatial part. Like you said, you're going to score points off those resource tracks, but just for your least resource. And again, I always love uh, games that have that mechanism in there for scoring because now you're not only having to collect other city tiles to surround your city tiles, but you're also looking for those that will bump up the right resources at the right time. So you don't get left behind. You may have 13 in one resource and 11 in another one, but if you've only got seven in your, in your red resource, well, you're only scoring seven points off your resources. So throwing all those elements in, um, again, I think is a good attempt at trying to, to balance and level that playing field of those who may be spatially aware and those who may be what what's the word economically <laughs> aware perhaps i don't know yeah speaking of economy one thing i didn't mention at all was the loans uh you mm. can take out a loan and you're gonna at the end of the game if you haven't paid the loan off you're gonna lose two victory points which is a lot two victory points is a is a pretty big deal although you could still win if you are if you use that well but you're gonna take out a loan and the loan is gonna be worth three gold which sometimes will be a great boost because those, the the bigger the city pieces are, the more expensive they are. And, you know, you only have seven gold and some of them are, what, five? Cost five gold, is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a lot. You're not going to be able to do a whole lot on your turn if you buy one of those and then, you know, maybe a monument or something like that. But, but that's where loans come to play and can really give you a boost, but you're going to have to pay those. Uh, you're going to have to pay those back. Did I say that right? You get three or do you get two and you pay the three the, back? Is that right? The loan, the loan is worth two. Yes. Yeah. I said uh, three, you, you pay three back to be able to pay right, the loan. Off. Right. Yeah. You got to pay back with, with interest. And again, and you, you mentioned, you know, you can win by taking the, if you don't pay back those loans, but it's trickier. Every I've taken out loans, every game, multiple loans, and every time that I have not paid them back, I have lost by one point. Mm. Like the game that we played, I lost to you by one point, and I had that loan that I did not pay back. Like every time that I've not paid one back, I always lose by one. This game is very tight point-wise. Almost every time I've played it, it's like you're talking three or four points max is the difference between first and second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to mention real fast, Darren, The I mentioned the advanced play earlier, but you have these public objective cards that you have. And if you complete those or, or, or do the best at them, then other people, you're going to get points 
based on how well you do on that. Uh, I like that. I, I don't find it as a necessary piece to the game. I think there's already a decent amount to think about. Although I do like that the more you play this game, if you add some of those in, that that becomes a little bit of an extra step. I like those. Yeah, and and also, have you played the solo mode for this yet? Yes, I was going to mention that during my final thoughts, but okay, yeah, yeah you go ahead since you've already started talking about it. Okay, I was just going to say, you mentioned the advanced play. Another uh, mode in this game, you can play solo, and all this does is add a deck of cards that tells you what the, the, the automa, automa, the automa, automa, (laughs) the, the AI player, the AI player, um, what they're going to draft. Like there's like two or three levels of this card. The very top, it'll tell you, you know, something like, you know, the remove these roads or remove this type of tile. Well, well, if that's not available, then go to the next one and, and, and remove that one. And it does, it's really simple. Uh, but it does a good job of taking away those things that another player might take. And um, if you're playing on easy mode, then at the very end of the game, you're going to add up your three resource tracks. And that's going to be what the AI player's point total is going to be. If you want to play on the hard mode, you also add up the monument points that they have acquired over the course of them just drafting stuff from the game but it plays just like any other game and it plays super fast and i really enjoyed the the solo mode of this uh even on the easy mode it can still be really tight oh yeah yeah it definitely can it's not a it's not a guaranteed win on that easy mode i you've heard me talk about solo games on here before i've become more of a solo player in the last couple years but what I want to do is play a solo game that doesn't really change things that much, and I don't have a lot of upkeep, and that mm-hmm. is exactly what this game is. This game does it really, really, really well, but also offers some challenge in there. I like it. I'm ready to move sure. on to my final thoughts, Darren. I don't know about you. Make it happen. Make it so. All right, so this game, uh, part of it was the box I wasn't super excited about. What <laughs> mostly got me excited about this game, though, was the Dice Tower review I remember how excited Tom was, and I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of interesting. I like polyomino games. I, but I, the problem is I have so many of them, right? I've got Baron Park. I've got Patchwork. I've got uh, what a, My City, and I mean, just so many of these. So can it really offer that much more? Well, Dean, it adds tracks. Okay, I'm in. Let me try this one out. <laughs> I really, really enjoy this one a lot. Darren came over uh, during the Christmas season to come teach my wife and I this game. She really likes this game. She likes polyomino games quite a bit as well. Uh, But I didn't know how much she would like this one because it is more on the complex, thinkier side. It kind of made me feel like my city, how, how my brain felt after playing like six games of my city. This one has a little bit of that thinkiness. And I like it. I like this one a lot. I was floored at how much I like this one. I'm super pumped. They've got an expansion coming out for this one that they've announced. I have no details on that. I haven't done any research on it. But there is an expansion coming out for this one. I am going to give this one pretty high praise, Darren. I'm going to be at an eight and a half on this one, Mm. bordering more on the nine. So if I'm looking at the BGG scale, a nine is an excellent game. Always want to play it. Eight is a very good game. I like to play. Probably I'll suggest it and will never never turn down a game. So I'm somewhere in between that. I could see myself moving up into the, the nine area, especially whenever this, it's called the, the Mundo Wonders Pack that comes out this year is what it says. And it adds nine, this is the expansion, adds nine new wondrous monuments. And it has some new gameplay mode, nine cards that adds more strategy, all that good stuff. More. It uh, it offers more. And so I would imagine with more stuff, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep gobbling it all up and in and, and loving this game. So eight and a half for me, but again bordering on that nine territory. That's high praise. High praise. Now I um I too was was introduced to this by listening to the to the Dice Tower talk about it and and picked it up at Gen Con and Played it some, and this is one of those games, you know, some games are just kind of a slow burn for you. The first time I played it, I thought, oh, okay, it's fine. Um, but the more I've played it, playing it with 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 you and, and Amanda at your house, playing it with uh, with my family or friends, the more I play it, the more I like it. I really like that, that limited drafting. Okay, here's the stuff that's available. When it's taken, it's taken. It's gone. 
you know, I love that tension and the playfulness that comes about of like, oh, you, you know, you just you're calling people names up underneath your breath, you know, as they're taking stuff. The, um, that is so much fun. I like the, the just, again, how important turn order can be and how that works. You can pay to be first or second, you know, because that turn order does come into such a, a huge factor later on in the game. I like the gold management that, you know, any those wonders can cost seven gold or they can cost one gold, depending on how much you want to push your luck. Um, I love push your luck mechanisms. And it's so, uh, again, if you're thinking about it thematically and logically, it doesn't make sense, but it doesn't have to. It's a game. And so the, the tension of that is what is what I love and enjoy. The, the fact that you're getting points for your least resource is is good. It's it, this is a good light game. I would, you know, I, I consider this a fairly light game. I, you can teach this to, to anyone or everyone that I have taught this to has enjoyed it. And everyone that I've taught it to forgets placement rules at the beginning. And like I said, that's totally fine. It makes for some good stories and good laughs. The, <laughs> uh, my, my, some of the beefs I do have with it are, why are there only three player aids? Come on. Arcane Wonders, it plays up to four. Why would you only put three player aids in there? I don't, I don't get it. There better be some more in that expansion box. The it th- this can be AP inducing. People can sit there and um, rack their brains over what to do and where to place this and that. And one thing I do like about the game, I'm pretty sure this game has it in the rule book that once you take a piece and they're trying to figure out where to place it, the next person can go ahead and take their turn. So they're trying to encourage you to keep keep going, keep going. Uh, and the solo mode is great. I've gone back and forth on this so much. I originally was coming into this this morning with a 7.5. Okay. But the more we've talked about it, I feel like I've talked myself up into an eight. This is a very good game. I will suggest this. It's just so easy to sit down and play and so easy to get into. And uh, those tensions of of the drafting and the pressing your luck and where to put this and that. I think the more comfortable I get with it, the more I like it. And I am excited about that, that Wonders expansion. So yeah, I think this one, this one's going to be an eight for me. This is a good game. Uh, if you like this, anything that we've talked about uh, during these last several minutes, it's worth picking up. It's a little pricey, but it's worth picking up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty high praise. And that might tip our hat a little bit in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be doing our top I say couple weeks, somewhere in the not too distant future. I don't know exactly what week that is. We're going to be doing our top games from 2023. This was a 2023 release. So who knows? This this could pop up on that list for one or both of us or neither of us. Who knows? But still pretty high praise. That is an eight from Darren and eight and a half from me. If you would like to get in touch with us, reach out to us through all the social media platforms at Mapletown Games. We would love to hear your questions sent to mapletownmail at gmail.com and we will talk about those questions and maybe even answer them on a future podcast. Get ready for that in the next week's episode. And we would love for you to connect with us on our Discord or the guild at guild number 3407 at boardgamegeek.com. Until next time, thanks for coming down to Mapletown. Later. Got a joke, funny guy? What did one watermelon say to the other on Valentine's Day? What's that? You're one in a melon. <laughs>